High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. I want to share some things briefly this morning about the warrior inside of you. How many of you know that there's a mighty warrior that lives on the inside of you? And understand this, it has nothing to do with your personality whatsoever. As a matter of fact, my mom and dad, they're right here. They can tell you I was a very meek and mild child. I was a quiet child. I was never aggressive as far as physically aggressive with people. I was not even verbally aggressive with people. But understand this, there is something that is on the inside of you that is greater than your personality. It is greater than what may be manifesting on the outside of you. There is a mighty warrior that lives on the inside of you. Look at somebody and say, the mighty warrior lives on the inside of you you know there's a lot of Christians that do not succeed in spiritual warfare number one because they don't realize that their greatest warrior of all time lives on the inside of them Yes, Jesus is the lover of your soul. Yes, Jesus is the redeemer of your life. Yes, he is your savior. Yes, he is your coming king. But understand this, he is also the mighty warrior. Praise God. Amen. How many of you believe today that he is the mighty warrior? And so we shared this scripture last week, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Once again, I want to rearticulate this, that people are not your adversary. There's nowhere in the Word of God that specifically, particularly in the New Testament, where it says that we are to position ourselves as adversaries of others, or we are to view other people as our adversaries. He says right here, Peter says, your adversary is the devil. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Message Bible says it this way, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Boy, there's a lot of Christians today that are napping in the Spirit, and I believe that there is a Holy Spirit alarm that's going off today, and God is putting the trumpet, uh, sounding the trumpet today and say, church, it's time to wake up and begin to take up your spiritual weapons of warfare. Amen? Our enemy is identified. Our enemy is the devil. People are not our enemy. Ephesians 6, verses 10, we see it once again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on his, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle. It's what Paul said. We do not wrestle. We do not fight. We are not contending against flesh and blood. He's talking about people there. People, again, are not our enemy. But we're contending against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host or uh, armies of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the e evil day. And having done all to stand, what do you do? You keep on standing. You know, after you've done everything you know to do, you just keep on standing. Amen. Now, we shared again a little bit about this last week, and I wanted to first of all just kind of define what is spiritual warfare because many times people don't know what is spiritual warfare. And there, I've seen people do things and call it spiritual warfare, and it was not. It was just people being crazy. It was people doing some weird things. And I'll understand this. Spiritual warfare is not weird. Spiritual warfare is not flaky. Spiritual warfare is not crazy. 
Spiritual warfare uh, is not something that's reserved for lunatics. No, spiritual warfare is something that is legitimately exhibited and taught in the Bible. And unless we as the body of Christ engage in spiritual warfare, then we will not see the glory and the power of God move across the face of this earth. It is imperative that we begin to engage in spiritual warfare. Amen? Understand this. In spiritual warfare, it is the spiritual activity that we conduct to enforce the victory that was accomplished through Jesus' death and resurrection. Let me say it another way. We are not fighting to obtain victory. We're fighting to enforce victory that we already have. How many of you know you've already got all the victory that you're ever going to have? I mean, victory already belongs to you. Jesus paid for your victory, and he gave you the victory. So understand in spiritual warfare, we're not fighting in order to get victory. And this is very important because your perspective means a lot in the way of spiritual warfare. If you look at things as though you are having to fight in order to get victory, then you are fighting from the wrong position. You're fighting down here and then trying to fight an uphill battle. Understand this. We're not fighting an uphill battle. No, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Amen? And so we're not fighting from this position where we're having here to fight principalities and powers. We're fighting from a position where we are seated with Christ and we're enforcing a victory that we already have upon that which is already underneath our feet. Did you get that? I said it fast. But you see, we're fighting like this, not like this. Understand the devil's already underneath your feet. The reality is though many times he's still wiggling down there and we've got to do some things in order to crush the head of the serpent. Amen. Can I tell you, there were some things that happened this week that crushed the head of the serpent. I tell you, it's been just absolutely awesome to watch what God has done in the Povolitis family. And if they could all get up here and tell you the testimony of everything that they've been through. And I've been with them and I've watched them go through it. And we've prayed together. We've wept together. And we've counseled and we've done everything. We've, we've agreed together and we have fought together praise God. And now their daughter is serving the Lord. Now she's off drugs. Now she's a, she got her head screwed on right. Praise God. Amen. And, and now God's doing something in her children and her kids. And this week, two of her children got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, that didn't happen. Just because God wanted it to happen, it happened because there were some people that were using their weapons of warfare to beat back the forces of hell in order to have heaven begin to show up within their lives. Amen? Listen, I believe that there were people that whenever I was even young, I thank God for my mom and dad. I know they prayed for me, but I can remember my granny. I can remember her. You know, she was a woman of God, and I'd sit in her lap, you know, as a baby, and I can remember her praying for me. I can remember at times her rocking me and actually singing to me. And I'm telling you, there was somebody, if you're here this morning, there was somebody that fought for you. There was somebody that prayed for you. There's somebody that took out their weapons of warfare and said, devil, you can't have them. Their property of the Most High God. I declare in the name of Jesus over their lives that they will serve the Lord all the days of their life. Somebody did that for you. I said somebody did that for you. Look at somebody say somebody did that for you. Please understand how I say this. You weren't all that in a bag of potato chips and the kingdom of God could not function without you. None of us were. 
Yes, Jesus loved us, but the reality is there was somebody who got on their knees. There's somebody that took the promises of God and began to war a good warfare with those promises. There was somebody that began to praise in the midst of a situation where it seemed like you were lost, that you were going the wrong way, but they said, yet I will praise him. I will look unto the hills where my help comes from. Lord, I'm not looking at the natural situation. I'm looking at you today. Amen? How many of you are glad that somebody prayed for you? How many of you are glad that somebody stood in the gap for you? How many are glad that somebody said, I'm not going to let go until I see breakthrough within their lives? Amen? And I know that my mom and dad prayed for me. I know, thank God for my, my, my dis descendants. I mean, I got some good ones and I got some bad ones. But thank God the good are the better than the bad. Amen? And by the way, I don't care what came down your family tree. The reality is, in Christ, you are a new creation. Praise God. Old things have passed away. You've started a new family tree in Christ Jesus. Amen? Man, I got some jacked up relatives. Anybody else here have some jacked up relatives? Yeah. All right. Got a few honest people. Has anybody got some relatives that you don't even want to talk about? Yeah, you don't want to even acknowledge that you're your relative, right? Come on. You don't even want to talk about some of the things that may have happened. Understand this, it doesn't matter because somebody at some point in time decided they're going to wage warfare over your life and snatch you out of the kingdom of darkness and begin to pray and stand for you and bring you into the kingdom of light. Amen? Thank God for that. And the reality is, you know, that there was all, I'm kind of going in a little rabbit trail here. I know it. But, hey, welcome to high praise. <laughs> but the reality is I had two grandfathers. Neither, neither one of them served God. I trust that they got saved and got their hearts right before they died. You know, but the reality is they weren't serving God, never served God. And you know what? My mom and dad could have used their parents, their, their, particularly their fathers, as an excuse to not serve God. They could have become bitter. They could have become angry. But thank God somebody prayed for them. Somebody prayed for them. I know there were ladies that were praying for my mother whenever she was pregnant. I don't know how I got off on this. There were ladies that were praying for my mother whenever she was pregnant. Pregnant with me. And, uh, you know, she got hepatitis one month before I was born. I wasn't moving in the womb. They, uh, they, couldn't, they didn't know if I was dead or alive or whatever. But thank God. Understand this. There were some ladies that were praying over her. There were some ladies in a family that they had gotten connected to that began to pray for her during those times. Thank God she had a mother-in-law that was also praying for her. My granny was praying for her. And understand this, there are things that many times we don't realize that we're experiencing today all because somebody fought for us. All because, listen, the, the freedoms that you have as an American citizen are because there were men and women that were willing to lay it all out on the line. And they were, although they did it in the natural, understand this, they were willing to lay down their lives and fight so that we could have the freedoms and the liberties that we have today. Amen. And understand this, just like we have liberties and freedoms in the natural, and it has, it's all due to somebody willing to fight the reason that you're free in Jesus today is because somebody was willing to lay down their life they were willing to get up in the middle of the night and pray for you they were willing to fight on your behalf and believe God when everything was going the wrong way but they said yet I will pray yet I will seek the Lord Lord I'm not going to allow the devil to take them as a as a trophy for his kingdom praise God amen notice 
It says there that we're to take the whole armor of God. We take the armor of God. What we fight with is the armor of God. You can't fight with a Smith and Wesson. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a gun. I'm just telling you, you can't kill devils with a, any type of, uh, of armory. Do you understand that? You can't, you know, that's just not the way that you deal with it. And so we have to understand that we fight in the spirit. Amen. Quickly this morning, I want to give you some identifying marks of spiritual warriors. The first one is this. They identify with their leader. They identify. They take upon themselves the identity of their leader. Jesus is the captain of the host. And there are many believers that fail to become warriors because they're ignorant that Jesus is the greatest of all warriors. Exodus 15 verse 3 says that the Lord is a man of war. Everybody say, the Lord is a man of war. Say, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is a warrior, praise God. In Romans 9, 29, it says this, And as Isaiah said before, Unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have been made like Gomorrah. Unless the Lord of, Saba, Lord of Sabaoth... Now, understand that Lord of Sabaoth is the Greek transliteration, actually, of the Lord of hosts that we see in the Old Testament. What's very interesting about the terminology Lord of Hosts or Lord of Sabaoth. We see it mentioned 244 times in the Old Testament, and then we see it mentioned twice. This particular redemptive name is used twice in the New Testament. We never see the name Jehovah Jireh. We don't see Jehovah Rapha. We don't see Jehovah Sidkenu. We don't see any of those names, uh, descriptive names used in the New Testament. But twice we actually witness the terminology, the name used, Lord of Sabaoth. Now, whenever you define this, what the word host or Sabaoth means is a mass of persons organized for war. So what God actually does, he reveals himself as this. I am the Lord of warriors. Of all the descriptive, uh, redemptive names that are in the Bible concerning the Lord, understand this. The next one in line is the terminology uh, God Almighty. God Almighty is only used 48 times. Okay, 48 times God Almighty is used. Then 244 times Lord of hosts. How many of you believe that God is attempting to reveal something to us because the redemptive names are always there to reveal God's character, reveal his nature, to begin to unfold something to us that we did not see before. So God revealed himself as the Lord of hosts. And notice what it says here. Can we bring that scripture up, Romans 9, 29? I want you to see this this morning because this is very important. We must begin to identify with Jesus. We must begin to identify with his warrior nature. Now, by the way, I want to say this. There are some people that have taken things to an extreme. And there are some people that take the message of spiritual warfare. and uh, They've taken it to an extreme. And as I said, sometimes people have done some things that are really weird and really strange and are not truly spiritual warfare. But understand this. Just because somebody abuses the truth, we will not refuse the truth. How many know that there have been people that have taken the message of grace to an extreme? But how many know it does not diminish the power of grace within your life? There's people that have taken the message of healing to an extreme. And by the way, but, uh, regardless of what extreme they take it to, it does not negate the fact that Jesus is still our healer. Amen? 
There are people that have taken the message of prosperity to an extreme. But we don't refuse the message of prosperity just because some folks have taken it to an extreme. How many believe that he still supplies all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? How many of you believe that he will still make you the head and not the tail? How many of you believe if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the very desires of your heart? Does anybody believe that today? Now notice why he says, as and I, and <clears throat> say it right. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, had left us a seed. Let me stop right there. You have warrior seed on the inside of you. If you're born again, you've got warrior seed on the inside of you. Are there any saved people here this morning? If you are saved, you've got warrior seed on the inside of you. When you've got warrior seed on the inside of you. Grayson, Wonder Woman, you've got warrior seed on the inside of you. Golden lasso, praise God. Josiah, you've got warrior seed on the inside of you. Amen? Do you believe it? Paul, you've got warrior seed on the inside of you. Vic, you've got warrior seed on the inside of you. Can you look at somebody and say, you've got warrior seed on the inside of you? Can I tell you, one, m many of the problems that we have in our culture within our society today is because much of the church have forgotten the fact that you are called to be a warrior. That there's a mighty warrior living on the inside of you. And I don't care which direction the culture goes, the reality is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if we will just take up our spiritual weapons of warfare, and by the way, your spiritual weapon of warfare is not just getting out and making a post on Facebook or Instagram and criticizing other people. How about beginning to pray for them? How about beginning to stand in the gap? And that's your weapons of warfare. Amen? We've taken the, you know, the idea that warfare is we got to get out and, you know, bash other people many times. My friend, that's not spiritual warfare. And you're not doing the kingdom of God any favors whatsoever by doing that. But if you'll learn to pray, if you'll take up your spiritual weapons, those weapons are greater than anything that the enemy has. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, get this, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been made like Gomorrah. What he's saying there is this, without the warrior seed functioning and operating on the inside of us, what will happen is it will cause the culture, it will cause the society to actually become like Sodom and Gomorrah. How many know that there is a call to war and a call to battle today that's taking place within the church right now and we have to begin to realize that we're not going to win this by doing something in the natural so much as first of all, we got to begin to attack it in the spirit. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't say anything. I'm not saying you can't make your voice known. But understand this, that's not necessarily spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is whenever you begin to declare what God says, you take up your weapons of warfare and begin to wage warfare against the enemy. Amen? Are you getting any things out of this? You see, when believers lose their fight, sin prevails. Show me believers that lose their fight, and I'll show you their lives that are full of sin. The absence of spiritual warfare causes the church and the culture to be like Sodom, where actually evil begins to prevail. And that's the reason we must understand and begin to identify with our leader. Jesus, he is the great and mighty warrior. Hallelujah. He is the one that has now placed his seed on the inside of us. See, your identity in Christ will determine what you become in the spirit. 
By the way, I want to say this just about our LRM ministry. Do you realize that everything that's going on in LRM ministry, that spiritual warfare that's taking place, went to bring deliverance to people so that they can begin to walk right? Can I tell you the problem with our, with our culture today is we got people that are bound by devils. And listen, I don't care how much you post on Facebook, that ain't going to deliver them necessarily from devils. You know what's going to deliver them is we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to stand in the gap. We're going to have to pray. God, send somebody across that individual's life. Cause somebody to begin to witness to them. Cause their lives to be turned. The people that you disagree with, Lord, begin to bring revival to their life. Cause them to begin to turn. Let them take the platform that they're using to be a platform for the enemy. And Lord, redeem that and cause it to be a platform for your kingdom. Praise God. Amen. I believe that God can do it. I said, I believe that God can do it. And I believe if we will just use the weapons of warfare that we have, I believe that we'll begin to see turnaround. The second principle or identifying mark is this, a victor mentality. Look at somebody say, you're a victor. Romans 8, 37 says that we are more than conquerors. Eight, Romans, can we pull that scripture up there also? Romans 8, 37. It says that we're more than conquerors. I know you all know this scripture already. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is what's very interesting. The phrase more than conquerors, the literal definition of the Greek word that is used is this, to gain a decisive victory. Decisive means that it's already been decided. That means this, victory has already been decided for you and for me. Because we are more than conquerors through Christ. What does that mean? That means I am going into a fixed fight. I said the fight is already fixed. Only thing that we have to do is just get in the middle of the ring. I hope you're hearing this this morning. The problem that we have today is, is Christians aren't willing to get in the middle of the ring. They're not willing to take up their weapons and say, I'm here, I'm, I'm showing up, and now I'm going to execute the victory that I already have. But you see, again, we fight from a position where we are already the victors. We already possess victory. Victory is not something we're going to get one day. Victory is something that I have right now. But pastor, have you seen all the things going on in the world? Oh, yes, I have. But understand this. It didn't change what God said about victory in my life. And it didn't change what God said about victory in your life. Amen. The moment that we begin to feel like we're defeated because of things that we see around us is the moment that we lose. That's the reason we must maintain a victor mentality in the midst of everything that goes on within the society, within the nation, within the culture, within the world. Whatever is going on, understand this. God is greater than anything that's going on in the world. Amen? We've already been made more than conquerors. It is a decisive victory that we have been given. See, a soldier will never be successful if he goes into battle believing, I'm going to die. If he believes he's going to die, then he's not going to fight. If he believes he's going to die, then there's no reason to actually put up a fight. If you believe that you can't win, then there's no way that you're going to actually fight in order to obtain victory. You must understand going into the battle, going into the fight, I've already won, victory is already mine, and the devil, I'm just here to show to you and remind you of where you are. You're underneath my feet, you're a liar, and you cannot have dominion in my life. Amen? Look at somebody say the devil can't have dominion in your life. Listen, we are not the devil's victims. We are here to torment him. 
there's a lot of people that live their lives thinking that the devil is here to torment them. And I want to encourage every one of you this morning, if you don't hear anything else, it's time to reverse the tables. It's time to turn the tables. You are, the devil was not put here on earth in order to torment you. As a matter of fact, it's the exact reverse. If you think about this, whenever Jesus died, when he shed his blood, the Bible says that he spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I've really questioned before at one time. I said, well, God, why didn't you just go ahead and kick the devil straight on into hell? You know, it seemed like that would have been a good, good idea at that time. And if you read a, Psalm 149, it actually says, let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings and their nobles with chains and with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment that is written. And here's the last, the last phrase. This is the honor of all his saints. Can I tell you, the reason that the devil wasn't kicked into hell is because God wanted to give you the honor of actually beginning to crush him beneath your feet. He put you here and he placed the devil here so that you could be his worst nightmare. Every day that you wake up, the devil has had his alarm going off in hell. Oh, he's up again. Oh, they're up again. Oh, what are we going to do today? Let me tell you what, you are the devil's panic attack, praise God. You have to live with that attitude. I'm not here. I'm at some kind of mercy of the devil. The devil's under your feet. He's under my feet. We have authority. We have been given authority over all the powers of hell, over all the powers of darkness. Amen? So we must live with a victor mentality. We're not here as victims. I want to say this. The victim mentality, I preached on this several weeks ago. The victim mentality started in the Garden of Eden. It started with Adam and Eve. After they sinned, and God comes in the cool of the evening and can't find Adam and Eve because they went into hiding. And he asked Adam, Adam, what in the world's going on? And what does he do? What does Adam do? Adam starts the whole ordeal. Men, by the way, don't repeat the pattern that Adam actually conducted, okay? And so he says, Lord, the woman that you gave me, Adam blamed the only two intelligent beings that he knew. He blamed God and the woman all at the same time. And he put himself in the position of being a victim in order to excuse himself and not have to take any responsibility for what had taken place. Eve then turned around and he said, she said, hey, it's the serpent. The devil made me do it. You know, I didn't have anything to do with this. He, I, he, you know, he said it was good. He said this was going to take place. But the reality is this, if you live your life, please hear this, if you live your life pointing the fingers at others, you'll never be able to arise and be the victor that God has called you to be. If you live your life always pointing your finger at everybody else, blaming everybody, well, it's their fault, well, it's their fault, well, they did this and they did that, da-da-da-da, you know what, and they very well may have done that. You know what, and they may have very well said some things. You know what, and there's a lot of different things that have happened over the last three years that we could point and say, well, because of that, because of that, but can I, can I tell you this, we are not victims of the enemy, we are more than conquerors, we are victors in Christ Jesus. If you're going to be successful in spiritual warfare, you've got to get a victor's mentality. I triumph in every situation. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. I live from a position of victory, amen? So I live with a victor mentality. God's plan for you 
God's plan for me is that every day we crush the head of the serpent. Amen? The third thing is this, knowledge of their weapons. Are y'all still with me? you got to have some knowledge of your weaponry. You know, we have a lot of military folks that are here in the church. How many of you are either in the military or you've been in the military? Kind of wave your hand, you that are in the military. And uh, I, don't know if we, I don't know if we have any military pilots, but let me just say this. Every military pilot that flies an aircraft, they don't sign up on Thursday and start flying an aircraft on Friday. Right? You know what they're going to do whenever they... Whenever they sign up, and of, of course, to be uh, actually fly, I don't, I don't, not, not for sure if enlisted people. Two years, two years. Here's right, Paul. For, Paul's, Paul's a, a pilot, and he actually ejected twice, and lived through ejection. Praise God, Amen, Amen. But anyway, but two years of training before you get to really do anything, right? And but you don't step into the plane till you've completed ground school, correct? And so they, there's rigorous training that they take pilots through before they're going to actually allow them to get in a $30 million aircraft, right? You know, you're not going to get in this F-22 until, first of all, you go through some training. And understand this, there's a lot of believers that don't have knowledge of their weapons. And because they don't have knowledge of their weapons, they're not able to wage successful spiritual warfare. And so it's a very important that we know our weaponry. We got people today that know more about Ben Affleck and J-Lo than they do actually the Word of God. They can tell you everything else that's going on on Facebook. They can tell you who got, just got married to this person and everything going on in their life. And they can tell you everything that's happening right now in the world, but they can't quote two scriptures to you. Can I tell you, Houston, we have a problem in the church today that needs to be corrected, and we need to get our eyes once again back on Jesus and the Word of God. Amen? And so the reality is this, one of the greatest weapons... Probably the greatest weapon that we have is the Word of God. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, y'all with me? The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Look at somebody and say, your weapons are mighty. But understand this, you got to use the weapons. Again, in the military, we can have, we got some mighty weapons in the United States military, in the Air Force, and you know what? We got F-22s, we got F-35s, and we got tanks, and we got missiles, but the reality is this. Of course, thank God we, we're going to use them if needed, uh, but understand this. They're, they're only effective when you actually begin to use them. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so if the enemy's attacking and we just let the plane sit over there, it's not going to do us any good. So we have to pick up the weapons that we have. Here are some weapons. The Word of God. It is the two-edged sword. It is the Logos and the Rhema. You know, I, I, I believe that one of the things that happens, think of it this way. You know, the two-edged sword, one side is to defend and the other side is to advance. One side of the sword, it defends your life, it defends your family. The other side, it causes you to advance. You know, the reality is we have to begin to take hold and understand that we have been given this weapon to begin to wield the sword against the enemy of our soul. We have also been given the blood of Jesus. How many of you are thankful for the blood today? 
says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The name of Jesus, praise the Lord. It has all authority and all power over the enemy. Our praise is a weapon. By the way, that's not a cute line that we're just singing in a song, but your praise is a weapon. Psalm 8, 2, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you've ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and steal the avenger. It says over Malachi, for, for you who reverence and revere my name, uh, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go forth and leap. Everybody say leap. You will go forth and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked, and they will be ashes underneath the soles of your feet. My friend, your praise is a weapon. Whenever I dance, it's not because that's the charismatic thing to do. It's not because it's the prophetic thing or Pentecostal thing to do. It's because it is the Bible thing to do. And the Word of God declares I'm making the enemy ashes underneath my feet whenever I dance. Some of you may not want to dance. You ought to dance for that reason if for no other reason. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Well, it's not my personality. Well, it's not my personality either. But I'm like, listen, I'm going beyond my personality. I'm going to who I've been made in Christ Jesus. Who I am in Christ. Amen? So our praise is a weapon of spiritual warfare. Prayer. Again, that prayer is actually mentioned as a part of the armor of God. Whenever Daniel began to pray, the angel began to fight on his behalf. He actually said that the prince of Persia had withstood him, but your prayers have prevailed. Praise God. Prophetic words are a weapon of warfare. Thank God for the prophetic word of the Lord. And by the way, people that don't understand will make snide remarks and try to make fun of the prophetic ministry and say things like, we don't need the prophetic ministry or just say the only thing that they ever do is prophesy. And I want everybody to understand the first and foremost thing that we're going to do is ground and found our lives on the written word of God. Amen? The Bible. Amen? Everything that we do has got to be based in the Bible. But understand this, when you read your Bible, what you'll find is that prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit that should be in operation within the church. And by the way, tongues should be in operation within the church too. Amen? People should still be being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Do y'all speak in tongues? Yes, you don't? <laughs> See, every, what God desires is to fill every church, amen? But anyway, praise the Lord, that's another message. But understand that this, the prophetic word is a weapon of warfare. We've had to use the prophetic word on numerous occasions. You know the story of Kayla, our daughter, how we had to take the prophetic word and war a good warfare. It's what it says, 1 Timothy 1.18. War a good warfare with the prophecies that have went over you. Why? Because there's a devil that comes to fight you and take your promise from you. You have to fight, amen, and war a good warfare. The last thing is this. I'm talking about characteristics or uh, uh, marks of spiritual warfare. And this is the last one. They use their faith. They walk by faith. Listen, you can't fight if you don't walk by faith. Paul said that you fight the good fight of faith. You know what a good fight is? A good fight is the one that you win. <laughs> right? A good fight is not uh, one that you lose. A good fight is the one that you win. Paul said fight the good fight of faith. In other words, you're already, you're already fighting with a stacked deck. Just get in, the, get in the ring and begin to go forward. Amen? You have to speak God's word, speak his promise. You have to begin to call those things which be not as though they were. Now understand this, I'm closing with this. If you're going to operate by faith, you've also got to walk in love. In Galatians it says, faith works by love. Look at somebody say, faith works by love. In other words, you can't operate in faith while you're operating in hate. I'll say it again, you can't operate in faith 
while you're operating in hate. Faith works by love. And I've heard some people say, well, I don't really hate them. You know, I just don't like what they're doing. But yet everything that you're saying, there's just a constant thing that's coming out of your heart and out of your mouth that's more hate-driven. And you know what? We have to begin to acknowledge some things because sometimes the reality is there are some believers that have operated in hate, but they just don't want to call it what it is. Listen, you can't get delivered from that until, first of all, you identify it and say, that is the problem. Y'all following what I'm saying? And the reality is this. Your faith will not work if you're not walking in love. Faith works by love. Many Christians sabotage themselves today with divisive language and divisive behavior. They, they sabotage themselves with negative speaking about themselves and about others. And my friend, as believers, we have to move beyond that. Just because somebody's doing something bad, doing something wrong, doesn't necessarily mean that we need to reinforce it and reinforce its power by talking about it. What we've got to do is begin to speak and do what God does, and he calls those things which be not as though they were. Whenever Abraham could not have a child, God called him a father. So understand this, whenever things aren't going the right way, we have to begin to call those things which be not as though they were. I declare in the name of Jesus that we're getting rid of inflation. Amen? I declare in the name of Jesus that people are getting saved. Hallelujah. I declare in the name of Jesus that people are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I declare in the name of Jesus that our culture is turning around. I declare in the name, are you following what I'm saying? You know, obviously we have to identify some of the things that are going on, but understand this, more than that, we have to begin to declare what God says about the situation rather than what we see at the moment in time. And I believe that there is great revival that is being released right now that in the midst of a dark and in the midst of a perverse generation that God is releasing light and God is releasing righteousness and God is redeeming the situation and God is turning things around. I don't know exactly all the things and ways that he may use to do that, but I know that he will. I've seen him do it before. I've seen him do it in the past. And hear this, won't he do it again? He will do it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will turn things around amen but we don't need to give more power to that which is wrong by just talking about it all the time we can't wage successful spiritual warfare while speaking the wrong things the more we talk about what's wrong the more we empower what's wrong yes I know there's a lot of crazy things I know there's a lot of crazy people but you know what I declare in the name of Jesus revival's coming and they're going to have the mind of Christ I declare that people that have been filled with the devil that they're going to be delivered and set free in Jesus name I declare that there's a revival coming to Washington DC I declare there's revival coming to Tallahassee I declare there's a revival coming to the entire nation and to the entire state amen into the entire world hallelujah Listen, I don't believe we're going to just turn around and say, well, you know, we're just, it's all going to hell in the handbasket. We just need to give up, you know, turn on the gas, light a match, goodbye world, goodbye, come back Jesus quickly and get us out of this old wicked place. No, I declare in the name of Jesus that Jesus is Lord over all the earth. I declare in the name of Jesus that there is revival that is being brought forth uh, over every nook, nook and cranny throughout the entire world. I declare China will see the light. I declare Russia will see the light. I declare India will see the light. I declare Europe will see the light. I declare that the places 
places that are bound uh, by Islam, that the light of the Lord will begin to shine in those places. I declare in the name of Jesus that there is a great and mighty revival that is sweeping across the United States of America. And I declare that Jesus is Lord and he will reign supreme throughout this nation in this land. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is King. Would you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.